welcome to the official podcast of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. My name is Andrew Williams, and on today's episode, we'll be talking to Paul Mathaura, Chief Executive of the Capital Markets Authority of Kenya, about M-Pesa, a mobile money system used by over 17 million Kenyans, as well as some broader thoughts on fintech and financial regulation. Paul, thank you very much for your time on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Uh, what is M-Pesa, and, and how do people in Kenya use it? Now, M-Pesa is one of the mobile money solutions that's operating in Kenya. We have four mobile network operators, and each one have their own mobile money solution. But M-Pesa is the solution from the largest mobile network company, and by far has the largest uh, market share of mobile money operations in the country. So they, in the last year, um, have about 34 billion uh, USD moved through M-Pesa in one year. Uh, compare that with the other uh, mobile network operators accounted for approximately another uh, about seven or eight billion. So M-Pesa is significantly larger. Uh, it accounts, uh, it about 1.5 billion transactions go through M-Pesa um, per year. Mm. Uh, they're averaging about 2.7 to 2.8 billion USD per month in transactions. And it really has become um, a cross-cutting solution for Kenyans. It allows you using uh, your mobile phone, and it's not internet-based. Yep. It is an SSD platform, send a code, um, load money either from your bank into your M-Pesa account, which is linked to your mobile number, or go to an agent who are in every corner of the country and you can deposit money with them or withdraw money. Right. Um, so it, it's become um, a much more effective solution even for sending money to family across the country, pick up your phone in the middle of a meeting, send them what they need. Um, everyone pays their school fees even. Right. <laughs> uh, through M-Pesa, all your utility payments are through M-Pesa. Uh, walk to any retail outlet, be it uh, shopping, restaurant, anywhere, and you have the option to pay uh, with your M-Pesa account. So it's really transformed the way Kenyans do businesses, the way Kenyans, uh, Kenyan businesses target consumers. Mm. Uh, what's interesting is it's evolved now that you can even open a bank account through M-Pesa. Uh, so without ever entering a bank branch, you can open uh, a bank account, you can start saving through uh, that account, and you can now access credit through uh, that M-Pesa account without ever coming near a bank account. What the what this system has developed is they can, using algorithms, analyze your uh, your mobile usage, yep. the amount of credit you're absorbing, and on that basis, they determine how much credit they will give you. Right. And it's opened up a lot of space for, especially small and micro enterprises, to be able to access short-term loans, help fund the business, help fund growth. And it's really just changed Kenya. Yeah, it sounds like it's really transformed the everyday lives. We know technology has the power to do that. Um, uh, we've seen many, many examples of it. As a, as a regulator, how do you address... I guess both the opportunities involved in something like that, but also I imagine there are there are significant risks, and and we know that um, you know a, a lot of organisations, particularly government organisations, are risk averse. Mm -hmm. How how did you address that, or how how did Kenyan um, regulatory authorities address that in this instance? 
Well, with M-Pesa, one of the reasons it was able to grow was it was given, when it first came online, um, the banking regulator gave it a lot of latitude, mm. um, effectively allowing it to grow till it had systemic implications. So it really allowed for that innovation to happen and the right solutions um, to be developed. And then now over time, given the scale of activity, uh, the central bank is now working much more proactively, one with the settlement banks that sit behind the M-Pesa platform mm -hmm. because all money deposited in your M-Pesa account is cash matched right. um, in a licensed bank in the country. And so that uh, addresses some of the, the settlement risk because there's always the cash matching that and any M-Pesa funds cannot be on lent by those banks so you definitely know money is there at all times for all transactions now some of the challenges that we're seeing uh, relate definitely with um, know your customer and customer due diligence aspects mm -hmm. of oversight that it's very very easy to open an m-pesa account walk to any uh, mobile network operator office with your id card and they will link a mobile money account to whatever number you have. Right. Now, it is only now that we're developing a much stronger national uh, integrated registration system. So there have been risks of people, you know, take an ID card, falsify an ID card, effectively. Yeah. New picture, same name, same number, and open, particularly because you can access credit, you can then open multiple bank accounts, access a lot of credit, and then have the relevant individual ends up being reported to like a credit reference bureau okay. for not servicing their loans that they never knew existed yep. because of um, um, the, the frauds in the system. Now, when we look at particularly, um, example, collective investment schemes, we're trying to use M-Pesa to ease uh, distribution payments in, um, collection of funds, once again, managing the know your customer aspects of that, uh, quite challenging because the biggest impact M-Pesa has had is on financial inclusion. Yeah, It's taken financial inclusion in the 10 years it's been operation, in operation from about 25% to 75%. And about 35% of the population indicate M-Pesa as their most important financial tool. So, um, you know, the banked community in Kenya actually has, to some degree, particularly students, have closed bank accounts and just live off their M-Pesa. It did seem like the sort of thing that would be particularly taken up by the, yeah. the younger demographic, the technology-friendly demographic. What's interesting is that because it is such a basic platform, yeah. it is send a code, access your account, add, you know, deposit, withdrawal, everyone from grandparents to very young children mm. can use it yeah. because it's not based on, you know, very high technology, internet-based platforms. You don't need to be sort of, a, I guess, a technological native to At understand all. it. Yeah. At all. Um, and if anything, that's where now the evolutionary challenges are. Right. Because when we start linking it, for example, to crowdfunding, for example, and you want to be able to disseminate the information about the investment opportunities, you then now need to link this somehow to an internet platform or something else. 
And how do you make sure those who are so familiar with a very basic tool can now really leverage much more complicated platforms for information sharing? It sounds like that there are, uh, as you mentioned, lots of challenges, but um, the, like, the, reg the regulatory authorities are dealing with those as they come up and making sure that the system remains in place and is given the opportunity to re remain in place. So, Do you think that other countries, such as Australia, for example, but I'm sure there are many uh, examples around the world, can learn from, from that approach, uh, Kenya's approach of sort of saying, OK, the technology is going to lead and then we'll follow and, and regulatory regulation will follow, but, uh, but make sure that technology has the chance to grow without sort of being suffocated before it can start. I think one of the key lessons that came out of this was forcing us to move from very rule-based uh, frameworks to much more principle-based. Right. So you're fundamentally looking at solutions, trying to identify their investor protection implications, their systemic stability implications, their... Uh, the robustness of whatever infrastructure they're proposing to run, and on the basis of that, let them start. Yeah. Uh, before you start now developing a detailed rule book to deal with something that's very evolving. Now, we have found, especially to support crowdfunding, we've been able to use our, our principle-based approval powers, which we only received uh, maybe three years ago, to allow a much more, uh, a broader spectrum of products to be able to come to market. But there is the reality of the challenge of building adequate capacity within the regulator itself to be able to understand these solutions yep. and understand where the risks may, need, may be coming from so you can build appropriate regulatory frameworks to oversee that, as well as um, just supporting the information sharing aspects of this. When you look at crowdfunding, 90% uh, of crowdfunded resources coming into East Africa come from platforms that are not even on the African continent. So you need to build uh, mutual recognition agreements with the home regulators for these platforms, try and work towards convergence on what are the minimum standards for oversight so that you can build in some level of comfort and assurance to investors who are participating in these platforms uh, that if something goes wrong, this is the regime that will allow for this particular dispute resolution. It's, uh, it's fascinating stuff and a fascinating project. Paul, uh, you're here for the ASIC Forum. We, uh, we appreciate your attendance at that and your time on the podcast today. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for listening to the ASIC podcast. Uh, we'll be back with another episode very shortly.